Well, uh, beginning of a new year, first cobalt had to become Electra. We've got our cobalt plant funded and under construction. And um, as we look to 2022, it's moving our way through that construction process to commissioning a cash flow, all the while advancing the other three phases of the project, which is going to be recycling, nickel processing, and ultimately precursor production uh, to be the first battery park here in North America. Trent, good seeing you. I haven't seen you since uh, August. I, I did speak to one of your colleagues, Michael, um, back in, I guess, was it November-ish, um, kind of great addition to the team. Um, is that something you're focused Thank on at the moment? You're building, up, building up the team? Yeah, we have to. We, we've been, we're pretty lean. Uh, when I compare ourselves to some of our peers out there, we're, we're in the market right now for another vice, vice president, uh, growth and sustainability. So I need ESG in the boardroom or in the, I guess, in the C-suite rather and the boardroom. Uh, but, but this individual is going to be focused on the growth of our battery park initiative. And then under him or her will be a, a sustainability lead as well to help us with our transparency initiatives, our, our carbon footprint. And of course, the uh, the site level team has probably doubled and they'll double again over the next year. Are those things important for the operation? Are they important just for optics? I mean, how, how do you how do you view this? Because you, you you've chosen to operate in a space, you know, the battery space, and there's a lot of greenwashing going on. I mean, how, how do you view those appointments, really? Yeah, you know, when I when I look at some of the proclamations and and the, whether it be on the fund side or, or whether it be on the on the corporate side, I get a little frustrated because the metrics are vague. Uh, you know, here we are. We've got almost a zero carbon footprint facility, right? It's a hydromet facility, hydroelectric power in Canada. We're not in a water stressed environment. We've got everything going for us. We're not making these grand statements because we don't really know what they mean yet. Uh, this year, we've got to start on a few initiatives. Clearly, if we're going to be delivering to the, the auto supply uh, market, the downstream market, we've got to certify our supply chain because we're going to start with cobalt. So that's easy to do, if you will, to, to trace the product. Um, carbon footprinting, we'll, we're going to take a stand this year. So I think it's important. Uh, but the industry is still pretty mature. It's still a bit of a wild west. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with that. I don't think there's a kind of um, established metric in place to sort of judge yourself by, uh, for, for sure. Well, like, I'm Trent. I wanted to catch up because I think you had a you had a good year last year. You you kind of um, it, take this the right way, sort of punching above your weight in the sense that you're you're, you're playing with the big boys without necessarily having the team to, you know, deliver that. Right. But that's Changing, and I saw that with Michael and some of the conversation we had there. And that's I, I, changed, obviously, with recent announcement with Glencore. You know, five five year cobalt trolling uh, uh, trolling contract. So, why don't we kick off and maybe talk about some of those moving parts, which are you know solidifying or confirming your ability to uh, operate and 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 talk to people yeah. like this. So, what was the Glencore deal? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Glencore deal specifically on the on the cobalt plant because we had two streams going on last year. One was execution on the plant that everybody the, the cobalt strategy that everybody knew about, and then behind the scenes was this formulation of a broader strategy, which I really couldn't talk about until we had that initial step de risk. Um, the Glencore deal is the you know, the first of a few contracts we're going to have out there. We're going to be producing five thousand tons of, of cobalt in a sulfate product starting at the end of this year. So into twenty twenty three, we'll ramp up. Um, Glencore is going to be tolling 1,000 of those 5,000 tons through us. Uh, and the, the opportunity there for us to work with what the world's largest cobalt miner, they are now on the downstream. They're now facing the battery market with us. And jointly, we're going to be able to market the, the Electra product in Canada as the greenest or one of the greenest, certainly, cobalt products in the world and try to get that premium in the market that we believe exists with the Umacores Cocoa facility. And so there was a strategic reason we want to do that. The rest of our product is going to be placed with the downstream um, OEMs. Uh, but uh, I think the Glencore as a first step will help us because they've already got the global book. They've got the relationships and uh, we should yield some benefits for the rest of our book on that deal. 
Okay, and then talk about the other four thousand bucks. What, what's happening with that? Yeah, we're we're oh, close. Sorry, I guess four thousand tons. I, I should say, say four thousand tons. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's so it's five thousand in aggregate. I mean, ultimately, we'll be upsizing. We we made a decision to upsize the plant to sixty five hundred. So that gives you, a, I guess, an indication of our confidence in the book uh, and in the in the demand for for cobalt sulfate in North America, North America and beyond. Um, I, I'd say, look, I, I would hope it's Q one, but it's hard to predict because the OEMs really control. Uh, the timing on these things, but Michael Insulin out of Europe has been leading the tar- charge. Um, we could sell all of our product, truthfully, we sell all our product you know, tomorrow to metal traders who will then just take it and, and, and sell it on themselves. Um, I think our shareholders and, and my board want us to enter into direct relationships, be part of that supply chain. And so I, I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're slowly moving. We've got proposals out. We've got legal reviews ongoing. Um, it's just a question of when we can have a meeting of the minds here uh, to announce at least one OEM contract here in the first half, and hopefully a lot sooner. Right, and obviously, um, we obviously reading about the, um, the the base shelf offering up to seventy million um, bucks now. And you know, in fact, when we talked in August, you, you were you were you just raised some money as well. So the money's not hard to come by. It partly because of the thematic, partly because of you know lo- location um, where you're based and, and and the proximity to um, a lot of the American battery cell, um, you know. Operators in terms of that arena that they that they they operate. So money's not yeah. the problem for you. Why was it important to get Glencore on board when you could with a contract when you could just sell into the market? I think yeah, money. You're right. I mean, money. Gosh, two years ago it was hard to raise a million bucks, and now we you know we closed off the year having raised fifty fifty one, if I recall. And so yeah, putting a base shelf on there is just prudent, right? Fiscal management. We're spending. Look on that. By the way, Matt, we're spending about 1.3 million a week right now, if I were to average out or spend in the refinery. So, you know, over 5 million bucks a month uh, being invested in the cobalt plant. Uh, yes, we've got, you know, 61 million CAD in treasury, another 10 million from government coming. Uh, so we're in good shape, but our ambitions are going to take us beyond that. Uh, but but this is, you know, this is year we, we grow up as a company. And so we've gone from raising 1 million to, you know, needing to raise a lot more, but you got to time that obviously with the market. And so Glencore is part of a broader strategy. Uh, we are buying, you know, currently we're buying a big, big, a big portion of our feedstock from Glencore, Glencore IXM. Uh, in aggregate, the two of those are 4,500 tons of the cobalt units coming in our door. So, um, yeah, to partner with them on the other side, I think there's some mutual interest there. Recall that when we started the strategy two years ago, we were kind of tied at the hip with Glencore, right? We were going to be tolling with them on a 100% basis. They gave us the initial $5 million U.S. funding loan to, to do our feasibility study. And then from that, we were able to... I guess, extricate ourselves. It was a mutually agreed arrangement where we would be market facing. Um, with the market strengthening, I think we see an opportunity to align ourselves a little bit, uh, but but largely preserve our independence. You know, Glencore, we don't owe any money to them anymore. They don't own any shares. This is a strictly commercial relationship with some of the best cobalt traders in the world. Yeah, well, then that, that's why I was asking the question because, you know, having been sort of entirely dependent on them, manage to extricate yourself from that 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 relationship you've then chosen to go back in with these guys but they, they those are separate and mutually exclusive uh, situations right yeah we're not we're not we're not dependent on them i guess uh, they've been they have been good partners they're tough I've, I've dealt with them several times in my career as have my board we had a lot of ex falcon bridge ex glencore people within our team so yeah, we do have relationships we can leverage but look for them uh, this is all this is all about business they happen to be two hours away from us, right? Sudbury uh, is. And so when we start looking at reagents or off-spec material or product, there could be some synergies there down the road. Um, they're in the recycling game. We're getting in the recycling game. So 
there are opportunities and, and you, uh, you know, you just got to recognize their, their proximity to us. And on the, you know, on the sustainability side, the, when we look at sourcing and certifying our supply chain, a lot of the standards that are there, whether it be Cobalt Institute, OECD guidelines, I mean, this is Glencore, Tesla, VW that have come together and agreed on the, on the standards. And so we're going to get some support there as well, I would think. Right. Okay. So look, I, I want to say this now, I, you know, please go and watch the interview I did with uh, Michael back in November and go and watch the, the conversations that I've had previously with Trent. Okay. I, I don't want to go over what have you got, what, you know, what's in the portfolio, et cetera. What I want, want to talk, what I want to talk about is something that you said earlier. Okay. You said it's now time to grow up. And I agree with you, but it's not just about growing up. It's about growing. You could start demonstrating scale to this opportunity and a bit of focus about how you go about doing it. Because revenue obviously will come when the plant is online. But you, you, you know, you've mentioned nickel, you mentioned the precursor, you mentioned the battery cycling. Okay. And you're pa packaging it together in this battery uh, park, as, as, as you labeled it. Um, how are you putting that together? What, 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 what are we going to be seeing from you this year where you grow up? Okay, yeah. So when you look, if I may, the, the, you know, if you look at the backdrop in terms of the timing of the opportunity, we went from you know, RoboOcean would say we had about a 3.1% global EV penetration rate in you know, 2020, probably coming in at about 5.9% this year and 8.5% next year. And so the, you know, the trajectory remains on track. Um, the breakdown of that, you, you know, U.S. Uh, was only about 750,000 units in contrast to Europe at 2 million, China at 3. But U.S. is projected to go from 750 to a million. So 33% growth rate, that's pretty significant. And so last year, what we saw, if you look at specifically North America, the big announcements, the big investments were what? It was assembly plants, EV assembly plants, and EV battery plants. Now, and this is, this is palpable where I sit, uh, now the discussions are on how do we do the rest of it? How do we make it so that we're making the batteries here and the cells and the CAM and the PCAM and domesticating the entire supply chain? Up until now, the OEMs haven't really been focused on that because there were just too many things. The assumption was we, we got a battery maker, they'll find the battery. And I'm simplifying, but you know, not by much. And so we're in the throes of these discussions now. And so they're, they're growing up for us. This, this evolution from first cobalt to Electra or cobalt plant to something more it really is the a reflection of the conversations we're having, which was Trent, you know, your, your team is doing good work in cobalt sulfate. Great. We need it, but we need more. We need nickel and we need the precursor. Ultimately, if you look at, look at Europe, look at Finland, look at China, you want to make your precursor where you're refining your materials. And refining materials involves a permitting regime that's just more complex than building a plant. You have tailings, you have water issues. And so Canada is a great place to do that. And so from our permitted site to be able to do cobalt, you have to do recycling. That just kind of comes with the, the ecosystem to bring in nickel. And we've got what, two hours in Sudbury, one of the biggest nickel belts in the world. So what, what you're going to see with us, and these are conversations that are multi-party. We're talking to nickel producers and nickel projects. We're talking to PCAM companies, ex-Chinese. There's only about eight or 10 of them worldwide. And we're talking to the OEMs. And we're trying to put together all these sort of Lego pieces. Um, if I were to predict how it all comes together, I think at PCAM, a precursor manufacturer partnership, joint venture or otherwise, is probably, that's that's the big piece, right? That's gonna make everything else kind of fall together. And so a lot of discussions on going, it'll come, uh, but, but it'll take a few more months yet. Right, it, it, there's, okay, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different processes in, in place and in play there. And it, there's a, I think for you or shareholders and anyone looking at this fresh is saying, well, right, we're having to, we're having to try and understand a, a multitude of different processes, yeah. uh, re potential revenue streams and how these yeah. things join up. Um, and I think you too, there's a degree of yeah. you're learning, you're learning on the job a little bit with this. You are hiring the right yes. people now, but you are kind of learning on the job about the processes. I, I come back to my original question, which is, 
how do you get the scale to this thing? Because being able to have a nice, small, perfectly formed package, which is nothing wrong with, it is, is great, but I'm looking for scale in terms of intent. I'm looking for scale in terms of returns. I'm looking for scale in terms of contracts that you are looking to get in, in, in place. Um, and with OEMs, you know, how do they start? What, what do they need to see you as a, you know, serious partner? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fair. Fair enough. And, and so the cobalt, you've seen us scale up already from 5,000 to 6,500. And that was market based decisions. What does that mean? You know, we, we projected about 35 million US of EBITDA annually at 5,000. So 6,500, if you straight line that, it gets you in and around 40, you know, 45 million of EBITDA, uh, roughly. We need to work through those numbers, but that's probably a pretty good, a pretty good ballpark. Recycling, I think we're we're not, unlike some of the peers in the recycling business, we're, we're not going to go big. We're going to go modular. We're going to go small because the market's not that big today. So there's two markets there. You've got the secondary waste and then you've got the battery scrap once the battery uh, plants start working here in North America, um, we've got all the equipment. So the idea is to kind of back our way into it and do smaller modules, take 4,000 tons of black mass in and then do 10,000 and then do 15,000. We owe some numbers on that, but we've done all the technical work. I think the market metrics, uh, that'll that'll come come to, I think, in the, over the course of this quarter. But you're right. The other two pieces is um, it's, it's more of a stretch. Nickel is big, right? I mean, if you look at 60 million to build a cobalt plant, a nickel plant's Going to be, I don't know, 300, 400 million. So that's a, that's a big lift. And how that comes together, I go back to the PCAM plan. If we got a PCAM partner um, that's going to come in and co locate on, on our massive permitted property, um, some of those pieces will start to fall together. So I would say the recycling is, uh, is proximate. The, the, the recycling, the, the nickel rather, and the PCAM, we're still looking probably three plus years away. We will be doing a battery park study. So you know, we'll have some numbers to share. Uh, we're, we're talking to a partner now about a joint study. I would expect to have something on that, at least a bit of a roadmap for us in the next, call it four to six weeks. Okay. Well, I think that's the roadmap is what I'm what I'm looking for. That's the questions yeah. I'm, I'm 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 asking here because um, you know you say 45 million EBITDA. I, I'm like, so what, right? I I, I am right. Yeah. But if you're saying it's a stepping stone because it establishes process for us. It gives us the credibility to do what we want to do. And then we can yeah. easily scale from there, right? That, that's that's fine. And whether, yeah. whether it's JV through, through industry partner, through strategic partner, through finance, whatever, however you intend to do that, that's fine too. So, but the, the, road, the roadmap kind of lays out to me, well, will you be giving guidance over, over what, the next 12 months, 24, 36? What are you looking to do then? Yeah, I, I think actual guidance is probably in the second half of this year and it'll go out. Yeah, it may not go up much. I don't think it'll go two years, but we'll have to give market guide on what a roadmap looks like. But if you can get a sense, at least of what an annualized EBITDA looks like, even at 5,000 times, and then what's our peer group, right? Chemical companies are, what are they trading? 12, 12 15 times, lithium at 18 times. Um, then you can start to see the the value and the opportunity there. So fair enough, we, we, do, owe, uh, we do owe some work. I think the the construction, I mean, all these growth at the end of the day, uh, I'll go back to what one of my technical advisors said, Mike Chalkley, 50 years of 100 med experience, largely at share, sent me an email earlier today. He said, uh, happy new year, Trent, and what will likely be the most important year of your career. And it's, um, you know, it's a pretty striking email, but he's right, right? Like when you're spending 5 million bucks a month to get a company to cash flow, you got to stay laser focused on that. And uh, the growth, while important, and while it's coming together, I would say ninety percent of the team is focused on execution of, you know, the immediate project ahead of us. Yeah. Okay. Laser focus is always always good. Um, wherever you are, um, or whatever stage you're at, but um, 
talking of which, what what are you going to be? Are you going to be a, a, a chemicals company or battery in its broader sense, battery thematic yeah. company? Or because you've you've also got a mining asset. What do you do with that? Yeah, I mean the the, the, the valuation. Uh, obviously, we're still got some work to do. Hopefully, this is a re-rate year, but the valuation is driven off the refinery. Um, and and I think the this idea of going broader has been look, it's been well received by shareholders, by stakeholders, by the government. Uh, and so people want to see us succeed in that area. Where that leaves us with our mining asset, you know, it's one of two choices, right? It's, it's either this is, this is a captive feedstock, which will capture a better margin if you can feed it into your refinery business, or this is a, this is a game left uh, to another entity, whether it be a, a spin out and earn in. And it's, uh, look, I'll be honest, it's a, it's a live question with me. I, Idaho's got a fabulous resource base but it's going to take time and it's going to take money and focus uh, to turn Iron Creek into a mine. I, I, do, I do see a double there in our resource uh, on the not too distant future. And so our focus over the past year has been de-risking and network and permits, doing all the things you need to do. The re-rate on that asset won't move as quickly as a refinery. And so where we go, I think it's a, it, there's, a, there's lots of paths, including bulking up and trying to make that side of the business even bigger. But whether we would keep it within Electra or, or or sort of spin it out or monetize it in some fashion, like I'm a shareholder, uh, we're going to spend a little time looking at that over the next twelve months. Right. Okay. So signs you, you, you've signed something with that Glencore. Great. What are the other conversations you're having at? Because people, you know, again, when I spoke to Michael, he wasn't really kind of able at, at that point to be so clear on what. On, on, yeah. on the numbers side of things and what was what was going on. I suggest there's a lot going on in the background. Now that was yeah. a couple a couple of months ago now. So what what has moved forward? Because if, again, if I'm an investor, I'm well done at Glencore, that's helpful, right? It's helpful yeah. having a partner like that who believes in your ability to produce because they've gone to the bother of signing agreement with you. So that's that's yeah. useful for other discussions. But I'm keen to understand what is the the uh, oh, what are the OEMs um, interested in? Yes. I, I asked the question earlier. What are they looking for from you? What types of conversations do they want to be able to have with you at the point when you're able to? Yeah. Okay, good. And let's talk. So if I, we try to look at that question um, through a different lens of catalysts, right? Timing. But we have four phases, cobalt, then recycling, then nickel and PCAM. Hard to say which comes first, probably in tandem. But cobalt's the one in front of us. And, and so the OEM contracts... OEM and their battery partners, those are, those are live. These are daily, weekly conversations, and that's probably the closest to time and the most important catalyst. I think that would support a, a U.S. NASDAQ listing uh, if, we, if we get it right, we will. So that's huge. The recycling one, I would say we've got, look, we've had inbound, and to be clear, we're on the refining end of the black mass, right? We're not shredding the battery. If we let other people do that, we've had 26 parties express interest in working with us, most of those inbound. Uh, around the world, a lot of them North America. So I would say that's on hold. We're going to do a demonstration plant this summer. We're going to, we've got a partner, if you will, for feedstock. We're going to do a demonstration plant and demonstrate the quality of the product. And at that point, commercial discussions will resume. So we're not as focused on solidifying that supply chain until we've de- de- basically validated our, our technology. Um, nickel, still early. I think the PCAM is probably the second most important because there are, as I say, eight to 10 or so, Michael would know this, ex-Chinese, uh, precursor manufacturers in Asia, uh, Japan, Korea. I know of at least three of them that are actively looking for a jurisdiction. Like we need to set up somewhere in Canada to follow our supply chain. So to me, that's the second most important. And if we can pick that partner, that that's gonna 
a lot of things fall into place because now if you've got the PCAM manufacturer, you've identified the battery maker and the OEM, and you've probably solved some of the supply issues around nickel cobalt. Nickel conversation gets a lot easier as well because those, whether it be a producer or a project, you're now, I don't want to say backfilling, but now you're you're filling in the last block, if you will, on the on the board to pull it all together. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, do you fit? I mean, what what are you? You're sort of 180 million market cap company, right? You you, you come off a bet towards at the end of the year. Um, I mean, why why did you think you came off? Do you think people are a little bit excited? Beginning of uh, November. Yeah, you know, tr- truthfully, we we raised you know 45 million in debt, and we've had five million in conversions already. The stock performed to a point where some of the note holders decided just to. Take their take their money now, and uh, and so that's a lot of shares to get absorbed in the market. So that's, that's actually it's a good news story. Um, I, I don't I haven't seen any of late, so that they may stop for a while. But a bit of a year end portfolio rebalancing on the debt side probably put a lid on us a bit. Um, you know, get the OEM contract, and I think we'll see that we'll see that lift come back. And so we were capped, to be clear, into into November for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, th- I think you nailed it on, on the head there, which is you get your OEM contract, and I think it, in the kind of trigger for me was when you use the phrase backfill because I think there's a there's a little bit of, of, yeah. of backfill required for from you guys. People got excited about the space yeah. that you've entered into, and perhaps where you're trying to position yourselves, you know, away from yeah. mining, where you know it can be hit and miss. I, I appreciate yeah. Idaho's got a good track record, but it can be hit and miss. So you, the when do you, when do you expect to be able to talk about OEM contracts? Where, where are, we, are we first half, second half? So if we were to talk on a trend schedule, um, OEM contracts in Q1 is my goal, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't maybe, maybe first half is a better way to manage expectations just because I'm only half of that decision-making process. We are only half of that decision-making process. But uh, OEM contracts, I think it's sooner than, sooner than not, uh, precursor than being that second huge cat. Like, Second big commercial catalyst is a whole bunch of other catalysts. Um, yeah, that's probably middle of the year. Now, now launching a battery materials park study for Canada for North America might might help put a few things in place. But um, yeah, that's that's going to be second. Now, all along the way, of course, we're spending five million a month. There's a lot going on. You know, we do have one more permit coming in, a closure plan, so people are waiting to see that come, and it will. Um, and then it's just the the erection of the building into spring pouring of concrete, the equipment coming in uh, from the US, the uh, the crystallizer and sort of putting it all together. We will also have some drill results out from Iron Creek, from Idaho, uh, as we try to grow that resource. And then of course, in the middle of the year, we'll have the demonstration plant on recycling. So recycling, you'll start to hear a little bit more out of us uh, from that because that is within our control, um, but it, it's, it has to play a little bit of a second role to uh, to the cobalt plant until we grow the team a bit more. So tell me, tell me about the positioning. Okay, you, you, you've changed the name, Electro Battery yeah. Materials. You put a lot of thought into that, no, no doubt. You know, I, yeah. I've sat through some of those sessions; they're quite painful. Um, yes, <laughs> getting consensus. But you also describe yourself as a battery materials company. But so do nickel companies, so do copper companies, so do everyone, and everyone's jumping on that kind of bandwagon. The battery being the the, the excitable word. But in terms of positioning for you, it's going to be important that people understand exactly what you are, what the battery yeah. park is, you know, how you make money. We talked about how you scale. You know, how are you going to reposition yourselves? Because battery materials is yes. too, too generic. It's broad. Yeah, look, if you wanted a Western comp, think uh, BASF or Umicor, maybe maybe parts of Northfolk, right? You think of those kinds of companies. Um, that's the space we're in. We're a chemical company at the end of the day, battery materials, um, sounds sounds good. It has has mass appeal, 
but we're a chemical processing company. So think about it. The, when was the last cobalt sulfate plant built? 20 years ago? So we do that in Canada. Well, guess what? We probably need one in Europe. So if you want to get ambitious, right, you start bringing in some partners and what can Electra do to continue its evolutionary growth or organic growth, it would be to replicate this strategy in the US or perhaps into Europe. Just, just keep going. We see the trends. We know there's going to be a shortage of batteries. We know there's going to be a shortage of raw materials and processors. So if we stick to our knitting on the process side, the expertise, we've got, a, we've got an amazing team at site. But if I can lift that team, pluck them off of that site once the construction is done and put them onto another project, we're, uh, we're, we're ahead of all of our competition. Do you, th- do you still think you've got that? We well, certainly, in, in, in where you're positioned, first mover advantage. Do you think that you're going to be on time to be able to do that in Europe? Because there's obviously a lot of people circling. Yeah, Europe. You know, Europe's interesting. There's a lot of uh, work in the lithium space, and on re- recycling is crowded, right? So for us to go into Europe and say we're going to build a recycling plant, so what? But to build another Coca-Cola, right? To build another battery materials park, put it that way, another plant where you've got your, your cobalt starting with the cobalt sulfate. That, that might make sense. That's probably playing to our competitive, our competitive strengths. And, and you've got to take a, you know, this idea of a, a standalone recycling plant absent the tie-ins to the supply chain. Um, I don't think we bring a lot of value there. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, there'll be tears in that space if everybody builds out the way they're projecting they're going to do. Okay. And um, kind of, I'll kind of finish off here um, because this is really just, just, I'm, I'm excited about what you say about laying out a roadmap. Okay, I think that's important. But you're, I'm, I'm looking for maybe um, a, a sense of the the economics now because you know you've you've gone to the bother of increasing the nameplate from five thousand to six and a half thousand tons. Uh, one suspects that that comes with some sort of uh, improved economics, right? So again, when do you give us guidance on the the kind of ramp up? From when the plant does start actually generating revenue, yeah, yeah, we're we're looking at that as we speak. I mean, we're we're sort of going through our, our budgeting process now on the capex, uh, on the opex. When you look at you know you look at that ramp up from five thousand to sixty five hundred, as I say, this is this is really customer driven interest that we're playing into. A lot of our costs are are variable. It's it's reagents uh, that that's driving the unit costs, and so that linear increase of EBITDA from thirty five to forty five is probably about right. Uh, are there some synergies? Yeah, no, sure. But I'd rather uh, I'd rather probably keep that in my back pocket and just speak instead of some simple numbers until until I get some confidence. The reality is with a plant like this, uh, you don't really know until you're operating, right? And so um, best to be a little bit conservative until you can get things get things out of the gate. Uh, we've, you know, we've got a world class team, Metso, Autotech, and Hatch, uh, our own PhDs and, and, and process experts. But uh, yeah, we've got a long a long a long road ahead. Um, but I, yeah, I take your point, Matthew, that ultimately we're going to have to give some, maybe some more concrete guidance as the year progresses, if people want to truly wrap their head around it, what evaluation means and not quite there, but but we'll certainly take that away. Okay. And, and the reason I say the thing that's important is because it's really hard for people to do a peer analysis for you if you're moving into the, um, you know, chemicals uh, space, right? Because there's one, most of those are private. And it's hard to kind of get a peer to peer analysis. Um, and without, you know, you're at the beginning of a process. So without actually understanding where this thing go, potential goes to and what margins potentially could be, and God knows who you're going to actually contract with. They could be private companies, in which case the information is never going to come to, to market. It's, you're going to have to lead, right? 
because if you expect your brokers to be able to do the work for you, they're going to struggle with that access to all that information. And certainly retail investors are going to find it even harder um, to, to do that. And then, you know, in terms of are you fairly valued? Do you need to backfill valuation? Are you undervalued? It's, it's hard for us to know. So that, that, that's why I ask if, if that's a thought. Yeah, well, I suppose that's part of the, the maturation of growing up in this company, right? It's going from the, you know, the arm waving of we're going to supply one and a half million EVs, which, which is the target to okay, what does it all mean, right? Um, we're going from dream to reality here. We'll, we'll need to get you more. Uh, I can't do it today, but maybe by the time we have our next call, I'll be in a better position to give you give you some concrete numbers or Trent, some firmer uh, numbers. Thanks. Look, I just want to say a great catch up to you. Great year last year. Like I said, you, you started putting all the pieces uh, together. I want to see, you know, I want to be able to see, look and see you continue to do that. I think it's starting with the, the, the hirings that you're making. Um, so I look forward to seeing a bit more um, of, of that. And obviously, you know, keep us up to date with how things are going operationally. Okay. All right. All right. We'll do. Thanks, Matt. All the best in the year.